Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Getting to work is a little different right now. Your new commute may be to the kitchen, or the couch, or the basement. If your commute has changed, you could be saving money on car insurance. With pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate, you get the same reliable coverage you'd expect, but only pay from the miles you drive. Drive less, save more with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote. Price also includes a daily rate, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. Hey, couch surfers, we've got nonstop tennis to keep you rocking while you work. Oh, and Colleen, yes, you Colleen with a K. Your free trial of Movie Plus ends tomorrow and your card may be charged. Do you want to continue or cancel? So on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN now, Radio. Show. What are you doing? Man, it's, a it's a Monday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. Aye, aye, aye. Hope everyone had a great weekend, and uh, we're off and rolling here today. Uh, regardless of the jokes from earlier, it actually that's that's huge news uh, that Ohio State players reported to camp today, or reported to the Woody Hayes Center today for their first workouts of the season. Like that's that that honestly is with everything going on. And and uh, shout out to Jim, uh, one of our callers. Jim just called in and uh, to talk about that, but he also had shared that he had just battled. Uh, the coronavirus recently, and he was out of commission for a month, he said. He said it's no joke, and I don't think anyone is saying that it's not a joke. I think that you have the, there's a there's a big group of people that believe all this is being overblown, and then there's other people that are absolutely terrified, uh, and then there's people like me who are kind of in the middle saying, I'm not going to get terrified of it, but I'm going to address that it's there. I know it's there, um, and I'm not going to be overly shocked when stories come out that, hey, this player tested positive, you know. I, I think that that's going to be the norm. I mean, I think we are going to hear and see and come across that a lot this season. Not just in f- college football, but, you know, when bat- when the NBA returns, we can't sit there and freak out when, oh, man, Anthony Davis tested, you know, positive for the coronavirus. LeBron James. I mean, so far the biggest star that's tested positive for the coronavirus has been Kevin Durant. Uh, and now that happened during the off season. That happened, you know, uh, you know what I mean? So it really didn't. Well, not off season. He was just hurt. Kevin Durant. Well, I mean, off season. This has been look. It's been four months of no basketball. It's the off okay. season. It's, it's it's the off season as far as that's concerned. But yeah, you know, he's been off all year because of that injury. But I just mean like it's happened while he's off the floor. I, I just mean there's no season going on, yeah. uh, and it fell within just all the other big list of names out there who came down with it. So it's going to be the norm. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to like make light of it, but I just think that we can't overreact to those lists that come out. Alabama five players test positive. Yeah. That's what happens when groups of people get together to practice and they're close by and you're going to spread it to other teammates. And that, I'm, that's what I'm worried about as far as this week is concerned. You know, all those Ohio State players that were out protesting over the last week or two, if they've acquired the virus, they're going to, you know, be passing it to one another. And then they're going to pass it to one another and so on and so on. So we'll, we'll see just how, how quickly uh, this thing can move within a locker room setting, even with all the social distancing protocols put in place, with all the sterilization protocols put in place, we shall see. All right, so um, 
6.31 on Friday. 6.31 on Friday evening. What Half, were you doing at 6.31 on Friday? I was uh, in line picking up dinner. All right, and cracked the cold by 6.31. Yeah, in line picking up dinner on Friday night. 6.31, I remember, because I was going to, in to pick up the food, and I had to stop because uh, they said, you know, breaking news, the NFL has just, you know, put out, Roger Goodell put out this video. I was like, are you kidding me? 6.31. And at first, I was like, man, that's great for the NFL. That's a great look for Roger Goodell. That's great, great, great. That was my initial reaction. Great, 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 great. Here is the Roger Goodell message that was released Friday at 6.31 p.m. heading into a weekend. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences, families, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We at the National Football League condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We the National Football League admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We the National Football League believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. All right. That's Roger Goodell. And uh, I, I will say this. I agree with everything he said. He said nothing wrong as far as I'm concerned. But he also did what every other business, what every other organization out there is doing, putting out these statements. But what I thought was most interesting is that he released that and responded to the players, the NFL players. Um, I mean, it was a it was a powerful message that was put out, and they had you know a lot of African American players in the NFL. That it was just kind of like similar to that Ohio State video that was put out, which I was a huge fan of as well. Uh, but it was basically admit you were wrong. It was calling out the NFL. I thought it was very strong because it wasn't just you know a bunch of players reading from a script. It was them coming out and saying admit you were wrong. Like they, there needed to be something to happen after for that commercial to just to be justified and it got justified by Roger Goodell coming out and announcing it. Now here's what I did not want to do. What I did not want to do was fall into the trap of what I was getting really frustrated with last week. It was find someone that did something wrong, listen to their statement and then no, and you you tell them to apologize, they apologize and then you jump all over them for it. Mm-hmm. That's what I did not that's what I'm getting irritated with is is we go more and more because I think it's defeating the purpose of leading to the conversation. It doesn't mean that they are just totally let off the hook. It's just one of those where for instance the Drew Brees situation. I don't want to rehash that, but it was Drew Brees says something bad, everyone jumps on him. He gets on Facebook and he or Instagram puts out two apologies, and, you know, admits that he realizes where he was coming from that he was wrong. Not saying it should have ended there, but I thought that the attack should have stopped and they kept going. No, 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 not good enough. Nope, he wasn't sincere. No, no, no. 
And that's what's always going to happen moving forward. But that's where I start to get a little irritated with things as far as that goes. Not just this issue, but any issues out there. We always want to say, well, we want an apology. And when the apology comes, it's, well, how genuine was that apology really? You're only, you're only apologizing because we asked you to do it. That's kind of where we are with this. So Roger Goodell coming out and putting out that message yesterday, um, that or Friday, I should say, at 631. I hate to do what I'm... What I just said, I hate when people do, yeah, but yeah. I'm finding two negative issues with all of this. Any time that you put out big news like this, okay, when you put out big news on a Friday, especially a Friday afternoon, not, I mean, hell, Friday afternoon would have irritated me to begin with, but Friday night at 631, the NFL, with the biggest thing going on in the world right now, the protest for social injustice and social inequality, everything going on in the world right now. Roger Goodell is going to the, one of the most powerful men in the world, especially in the sports world, is going to release a statement that he knows is going to rock the sports world. Why would you not just wait two more days and put it out on Monday? Why would you not just do it Friday morning even? Why? Why 631 on a Friday night? Folks, like, I'm sorry, I'm doing what I said I couldn't stand people were doing last week. But this, it has to be done. I have to question it. It is weird to me. That is what we like to call a news dump. A news dump is something that you release on a Friday so that, yes, people are going to react to it, but people are so focused on their two days of not having to go to work and they're going out on the boat or they're going to, you know, out with friends or they're going on vacation. The weekend, everyone is, has a different mentality on the weekend, right? That's what's called a news dump. If you're going to release some bad news or news that you know people are going to jump all over you for, you're going to do it on a Friday so that Saturday and Sunday people can eat it up and then you come back Monday and then the anger is not as, you know, not as strong. This wasn't really going to bring back anger, but it was going to bring back some questionable, you know, people questioning the sincerity of it. And that's what I'm doing here. I agreed with everything he said in the message, and I thought it was very strong of the NFL to come out and say, hey, you know, I, you know the, the play, we should have listened to the players. Yes, you should have. But why at 631 on a Friday? Why is that? Me- everything. Roger Goodell is a genius, folks. He's way too smart. He's very, very smart. Everything he does is calculated. Everything he does is for a reason. 631 was planned. There, there was a reason he waited to do it till Friday night and not Monday. Even though we're still talking about it, we've still had two days to mentally digest it, and it's still not as strong as a reaction as well. And by the way, this didn't even have to be a bad thing. If The reason I know it's not a good thing is because they released it at 631 on a Friday night, folks. That's why I know it's not a good thing. If they were coming out of out of a good place with this, they would have been excited to release this mm-hmm. on Monday. Guess what, players? You were right. We were wrong. We apologize. Let's do this together moving forward. To me, a good thing is something that you reveal on a Monday, top of the morning. It's a good, it's great news. Yes, you're going to have some people kind of poking at it, but you know, that to me screams they did not feel as good about it. That's why they released it at 631 on a Friday. But here's what, here's what I did like about it. That regardless of whether you like Roger Goodell or not, or regardless of whether you think he was being sincere or not, it doesn't matter now. That message is out there. Yeah. And the players have spoken and the league has finally listened. And I guess all we have to do now is just sit and wait because you have guys like Adrian Peterson who have come out and said that there's no doubt in his mind he will be kneeling come the fall. And I think we're going to see that. But here's where I think we're going to see the growth in the league and we're going to find out how sincere Roger Goodell is. Because we can question it. I can question it all I want. But when we get to the fall, 
and that very first Sunday happens, and there's players kneeling for the national anthem, and businesses and sponsors are pulling their sponsorships, and they're pulling their support of the NFL. What does Roger Goodell do then? Does he blink? Does he say, hey, remember when I said you were, we were that I was wrong and you were right? <laughs> now, I, I'm not saying that I'm taking that back. You were right, and I should have listened to you, but... I still think that we need to not be kneeling during the anthem, or they're going to take out the anthem altogether. They're going to do something, because I just don't see how what was only business ethics a few years ago is not going to be business ethics this year when they decide not to let the players kneel during the national anthem. Because that's what they, if they were honest in the, with themselves years ago when they said, "Hey, look." This is a business decision why we're finding the players for sitting during the national anthem because it's costing us money. If it was a business decision then, then it needs to be a business decision now. So if they come out and let the players do it and they don't kind of put up any roadblocks along the way, this message was sincere. I don't think it was, but if we get to the fall and players are kneeling and the league is do- is providing no pushback, I will applaud Roger Goodell and say, okay, he he he's he was you know he was thought you know he was very sincere in it. But I'm telling you right now, that's not the case. That's not the case. So it's going to be interesting how that pans out, Kev. It's uh, like you said, it's all about the follow through. And that's all we can judge people on going forward. You know, uh, you and I have discussions about all these companies and celebrities making statements and they're standing with the black community and Black Lives Matter and everything like that. I'm, I'm cool with that. But it's all about follow through. And it's OK for us as fans of celebrities and teams and leagues and everything like that to hold them accountable for what they said in their statements. So just so it isn't just turned into lip service like, you know, like we should. OK. All right, Drew Brees, you apologize. Cool. Fine. Now we're going to hold you accountable for everything that you said in that statement going forward. So, all right, we we have to accept people's apologies. We can't say, like, oh, it ain't good enough. They apologized. They made a statement about go- what they're going to be doing going forward to help be a part of the solution instead of the problem. And if they don't, you take them to task. But if they do, all right, let's go. We can continue to move forward. Not what you 100%. We, if, if the NFL backtracks come kickoff time, then we got problems. And... For me, the NFL has been known to blunder things like this. Things that we would assume that are just like turnkey situations, they've blundered in the past. So if they blunder in the fall, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, like I could, and again, I'm doing what I said. I got mad at people last week for doing, but I'm doing it. The 631 thing, releasing that at 631 on a Friday still irritates me. All right, that's the bottom line as far as that's concerned. But let's say, I think honestly... Roger Goodell has taken advantage of a situation in regards to, Kev, he knows fans are going to tune in no matter what this fall. Mm-hmm. So when people tuned out of the NFL, when they tuned out of the NFL years ago because of this, they had so many other options. You know what I mean? They felt like they, you know, nothing was wrong in the, in the world other than what they were angry about. So my thing is, is I think that Roger Goodell knows everyone is going to be tuning into the, into the NFL yeah. no matter what. That ratings aren't going to go down. Ratings are only going to go up this year. Ratings are super high for the NFL. Ratings are only going to go up because we've been without sports for so long. So he could be taking his chances saying, you know what? I know this might irritate a lot of people, but we're going to stick by this. We're going to allow it to happen. I just be, I believe that the people are so passionate about everything that's going on that we can 
allow this to happen, and I don't think I don't think viewership's going to go anywhere. I think that's what's happening here as well. Going to be a lot of options in the fall. He's taking his chances, that's for sure. Reggie and Dayton, what's up, man? How are you? Go Browns, baby. Go Browns. How are you? Oh, man. Hey, you know, um, when Drew Brees came back and made his counter statement, I forgave him. So I said, okay, then let's move on. So Drew Brees is okay now, and that's all I now, dealing with the NFL, um, the only problem that I have is I think when he said that the NFL was wrong, they should have um, said something about Kaepernick. I know it would have hurt him, but... It's going to be some tough decisions because you've got white America, you've got the conservative white, and you've got the liberal white. And that's what's going to have to be dealt with. What do you mean by that? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just like, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it's going to be a lot of resistance. Oh, absolutely. I think that you're seeing it now on social media. Yep. It's going to be a lot of resistance because there's a lot of people, they don't care because some black man's neck was stepped on. Who cares? A lot of them don't care. And I know this. But, you know, but then there are a lot of people that do care. That's why there is so much protest going on now. So it's going to be some tough decisions made when a football season starts and um, Roger is going to have he's going to have some tough calls to, to make and his job could be on the line. I, I don't know. I and, and I have to hit this commercial. Reggie, give me a go Browns before we end this. Go Browns. Go Browns, baby. All right, good hearing from you. Uh, I don't think Roger Goodell's job's on, on the line. I, I I do believe a lot of this is going to be based on how much how many sponsors pull out. I mean, a few years ago, there were way too many moving parts to, to sit there and say it was only about this and only about that. Like, Roger Goodell was in a tough spot because it didn't matter what Roger Goodell felt was right or wrong. The bottom line is, from a business standpoint, he was losing a ton of money. Sponsors were pulling out left and right. There were sports bars around here that were they were taking advantage of that, saying, by the way, come enjoy our place on Sundays because we are not airing the NFL here. Like What usually is what attracts people to sports bars, then, is what sports bars are taking advantage of here locally, saying, don't worry, you don't have to watch an NFL game when you come here. That's how crazy it got. Mm-hmm. Like, the NFL is what drives people to these sports bars on the weekends, and some were using that as a way to say, hey, we know you're angry. Don't worry. Come spend your Sundays here, and you won't have to watch it. That was real. The business side of it was real, and it's going to be real come this fall. But like I said, we are starved for football. Everyone is going crazy for football. I don't think you're going to see as many people jump ship as, as what happened last time because I just think that that's what Roger Goodell's counting on as well. So... We shall see how that turns out. Uh, 457-9464. We'll have more of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM.
Oh man, Drew Locke is trending. <laughs> it's nothing bad. I know, but it was still like you just never know. <laughs> you just never know anymore. Welcome back. Four five seven nine four six four. Roger Goodell releases the statement that him and the NFL were wrong. Uh, Friday night, six thirty one. Uh, not to nitpick, but like I said, you had all day Friday. You had all day the day before. You had today, Saturday morning, even Sunday morning, even six thirty one on a Friday. That's shady to me. It is. I don't care what anybody says. That's shady. Uh, and it's regardless of what any news is. Like, if, for instance, if a team fires a coach, like if you ever notice a lot of, more times than not when a team fires a coach, they usually do it on a Friday heading into a weekend. Why? Because it'll be talked about over the weekend, but usually by the time you come back to Monday, some of the hate has kind of died down. Some of the backlash has died down a little bit uh, by the time you get back Monday. So that's a news dump. That's what this was. That's why I have a hard time. I'm trying really hard to buy into the sincerity of it because I want to believe that the sincerity is there, mainly because I do feel like this is different this time. I do feel like there is more of a movement this time. I do feel like there are more people that jumped on board this time. So that's why I'm trying to remain positive. But as far as that's concerned, 630, when you have good news and you want to share good news, folks, you do that at a time that you will get the most people to hear and see it and talk about it. That's why I don't believe the sincerity of the NFL. I'm sorry, I just don't. And I don't think that that's wrong of me to question, right? Like like I said, when you really believe in your message and you buy, are buying in to your message and you are a big-time company who everything is, pre, is calculated to every detail like the NFL, trust me, they know what they were doing. 631, 630, 6 o'clock, Friday evening in general, releasing a statement like that. That was done purposely to check it off. Say, okay, well, we admitted we're wrong. Well, you know, we are bad. Mm-hmm. We should have listened to the players. Uh, but you don't do that on a Friday night. And I know I'm nitpicking. I'm doing exactly what I can't stand. I can't stand when some, you know, when we call for action and then we get that action and then we spend the whole time talking about, yeah, well, how sincere was it? I'm doing what I hate. But, folks, when you literally could point at something and, and point it out, the hypocrisy, that's what this is. 6.31 on a Friday. That's a news dump. If they were excited about delivering that news, it would have been done this morning or today. That's all. It is what it is. Uh, Like I said, though, I still think regardless of the time that it was put out, it was still a huge step. It was a huge step forward. I think that the NFL coming out and saying, hey, we should have listened to the players. Well, duh. You know, (laughs) should have listened to the players. Then there's the other side. Well, he didn't bring up Kaepernick's name. Okay. I get that, too. But regardless, moving forward, the NFL can't move back on that statement. They can and that'll bring up a whole other, you know, a whole other day of a conversation as far as that's concerned. But for right now, it's just a waiting game. And, uh, yeah, so we'll just see kind of what happens next as far as that's concerned. But for, for folks who are frustrated hearing this on Sports Talk, hearing it on, you know, te- television, radio, whatever it is, I understand your frustration. But at the same time, this isn't going anywhere. This is going to, if you think this isn't going to be a part of the NFL conversation moving forward, you're wrong. I mean, that this, it will be the main headline heading into the 2020 season everyone's eyes will be glued to the television in week one yes because everyone's missed sports but everyone's eyes are going to be glued to the television trying to see who's kneeling who's not kneeling and that's just kind of the you know that it is what it is at this point uh let's go to uh jerry jerry thanks for holding hey man well i won't be one of those people watching to see who's kneeling because if they come out and say they're kneeling i'm done with the nfl you are done with the nfl if they're kneeling done why is that because I don't think I, I think their anger is misplaced. Okay. I hear all I hear all the time from these 
these guys that this is not about the flag or not about the anthem. But if you read Colin Kaepernick's own words, it is about the flag and the anthem. Now, I get it. He sees it differently than I do. I understand he's entitled to his opinion. He's, he's entitled, or anybody's entitled, to kneel, kneel for the anthem. I, you know, we're not going to call the cops and have them arrested. But when you do that, you are making a statement about the country. And while this country not, certainly not perfect, um, is a lot better than most other places on the face of this earth. You want to know what, be a black person in China. See how that goes. So my only point is, you know, you, I saw an article on ESPN, and I think this would be a reasonable compromise. You have the, everybody stands for the anthem. The anthem gets done playing. And a public address announcer comes on and announces that there's going to be a moment of silence or maybe eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence to illustrate or call attention to the uh, black Americans who've been subjected to police, wrongful police brutality. Okay, I'm fine with that. But that's not going to be what they're going to do because this isn't about, at this point, it's not about calling attention to their situation. It's about making whoever they consider to be their enemy, which were not their enemy, but they could, you know, stick it to us. And so, like I said, they can protest the flag and I'll stop watching. And millions of other people will too. Maybe. That's what happened last time. Everyone said they weren't going to watch again, and then ratings just were literally through the roof moving forward. So I get what you're saying, and I, if you're going to stick to that, you're not going to be watching. We won't be ta- you won't be calling in about your Raiders nope. a year from now then, because it's going to happen. I won't. I won't. And, and you have every right to do so. Uh, I just think that you know we, th- this argument's been going on for far too long now. And you, for, I mean, just trying to get the message across that if you want to make it about the flag, that's fine. But it's really not. It's much deeper if than that. If it's not th- about the flag, why does it have? Why does that kneeling have to take place at the anthem? Well, because protests aren't done to make you comfortable. Okay, that's all. So that again, so that's what all of this is about. It's not. It's about what making a big segment of this country uncomfortable. That's the goal. They, because we don't talk about things when we're comfortable. Do we don't okay. talk about we do it. So, I mean, so we rarely we rarely talk about book. the weather being nice outside. The only time I say is, man, it looks like it's about to rain out. We only talk about things when it looks like it's about to get ugly. I mean, we don't talk about things when everything's all hunky dory. You know, protests aren't supposed to be done so that we don't talk about it. That defeats the purpose. Like, oh, I don't want to tune into a, you know, tune into a football game. There's no protest. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to talk about it because there's nothing to talk about. Well, if there's a protest and it, and it got you to talk about it, that's the purpose of it. Or we just tune out. And that was threatened last time, we'll but the so, NFL we'll so but the NFL million. learned something last time, though. The NFL learned that everyone that said, I'm never tuning in again because of this, they were the same ones with their hot takes about who's going to be in their next Super Bowl the next year. So I know people say that, but they always come back. Well, I won't. And no, and you're and, fine. And, that's fine. And, if you want, that's thing, you're more than fine to do. Networks that. will even televise the anthem because they will. De- they definitely televised it last time, and they'll definitely be doing it again. They stopped though after a while. After they, they still, saw the ratings they, decline. That was the stopped. NFL. By the way, that was an NFL decision to cut the media, the the right. pan shop. But reporters that were at games were reporting it left and right. But I, I, I just think that with everything that's happened recently, I think that. I, I thought more people were on board with this isn't about the flag. That's all. I just thought we had come past that is all. Well, we'll see about that. Now, fair enough. All right. Take care. All right, guys. Later.
457-9464. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. Live here on ESPN Dayton. The Justin Kinner Show with Kip Nash live here on a Monday. 457 9464. Twitter at 1410 Kinner, K I N N E R. A lot to still get to here in the coming hours. We're going to get to the baseball conversation coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, we'll have a little bit of the Hal McCoy interview from Friday where uh, him and I discussed basically kind of looking at the landscape of Major League Baseball. He'll share why he believes there will not be a season here in 2020. Now, I do know that there has been a new uh, proposal for Major League Baseball, but kind of right now with where we're sitting at, uh, it still feels like it's a long shot. I keep seeing tweets that say the play- that the, the players in Major League Baseball are determined to have a season. I, I think they need to look up what the definition of determined means because determined does not mean finding every reason not to have something happen. And that's what's going on right now. I mean, the, I, I get it. Now, here's the deal. Oh, well, financial issues get tricky. The financial issues existed for the NBA, for Major League Soccer, for NHL, for college more than anything. You're right. More, not more than anything. They all just, everything is a business. But yet, every other aspect of business when it comes to sports appears to have been taken care of. I like if, if if NBA was going through the same things that Major League Baseball were and then that football was having an issue with the financials of things and everything, I would say, you know what? Clearly this isn't a baseball problem because every a lot of teams are having issues trying to, to get through this and rework contracts and we re- rework the pro rate amount. Why is it that Major League Baseball is the only one having those issues? Yes, I know it's a different pay scale. Yes, I know there's guaranteed contracts, non guaranteed. It's all different. The bottom line is is when you want when you're determined to make something happen, you make it happen. The NBA was determined to make it happen, folks. The NBA was determined. The National Hockey League was determined to make it happen. They made it happen. All right. I mean, Ohio State players reported to the Woody Hayes Center today, folks. They wanted it to happen. With all, I mean, look, I know that the the COVID nineteen, the coronavirus exists. That there are health concerns, there are health issues, but at the end of the day. I believe that the players who really did not want to go do this, we would know about it. Or at least there would be enough conversation as to why they're not doing it or would be allowed not to do it. doesn't mean there wouldn't be backlash, but that's just the world that we live in, unfortunately. But when you talk about determined, the NBA is determined. Major League Soccer is determined. NHL is determined. All right? Like the Korean Baseball Organization, they were determined. They got it back. Major League Baseball is not determined, so we need to cut with that crap right now. Trevor Bauer, I am. I'm. I hope your ERA is over nine this year. <laughs> I hope your ERA is just through the roof. <laughs> I really do. I, I. I. You know, every time he tweets anything, oh, don't let facts get in the way. You want facts, buddy? Facts are by the day you are losing faith. You are losing the faith of your fans by you trying to point the finger at the owners, and the owners are trying to point the finger at you, when really there's only one finger that's being pointed at all of you, and it's the middle one. No one cares about whose fault it is, whether it's the owner's or the player's fault. If the NBA can do it, you can do it. If the NFL is going to do it, you can do it. If the NHL can do it, you can do it. If Major League Soccer can do it, you can do it. If the Little League teams around here can do it. You can do it. Everyone can do it. Don't feed us the BS line of we are determined to get back out on the field because it's June freaking 8th. You wanted to start the season by July 4th. 
That's not a possibility now. So save me the crap. Save me the excuses. All right, Blake Snell, you were so worried. You're putting your life on the line, remember? Don't do it then. But I don't believe it's about you risking your life to play a game of baseball. It's everything to do with money, which, by the way, if I was in your shoes, to be fair, I might be doing the same. I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. It doesn't, but I'm coming at you as a fan, just like most fans. And let's be clear here. The most important thing, with all due respect, is not your money. And I know this sounds cold-hearted, but it kind of doesn't even matter about your health. It's a matter about the fan perspective. And if the fans truly felt that you were concerned about your health, fans would not be ready to give up on your sport right now. But that's where we're at. I know I was going to get into it in a little bit, but forget it. A new proposal for Major League Baseball was pitched to the Players Association. And they found more reasons... They said it was worse than the first one. Maybe it is, Kev. I'm not a Major League Baseball player. Maybe it is a worse proposal than the Do first one. Do they want to play? But, but put it this way, real quick. If the if the first if if the proposal that they're talking about the previous one was that bad, we don't care about whether it was good or bad or not. We just care about whether or not they play. Perception is all that matters. Perception is reality, and the reality is is that to answer your question, no. I do not believe that they really want to play. Is their life that bad right now as millionaires? I mean, every time we see video clips of these guys, Kev, they are doing what we all wish we could be doing right now, at home, eating Cheetos, playing <laughs> video games. That's what their life is right now. That's what their life is right now. When we heard from Bryce Harper, who should be an adv- who should be speaking out on behalf of the league, saying that we are determined to get back on the field, and yes, there's some things we have to work through, but we're excited to get back. We didn't hear that from him. No, we heard while playing a video game, man, I'm glad that someone had the balls to say it. I'm glad that someone wasn't afraid to speak their mind as his rich assets they're playing a video game, not speaking his mind. And why again? Because the thing is, the owners are all on the same page. This is difficult for the Players Association, which I understand because you think that I think there's division within the players as well. The, the guys making the bare minimum, the league minimum. Okay. The guy's making the league minimum. Do you think that they're sitting there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. nope, not good enough, not good enough? They just want to play. Hang on, it's easy, okay? When you have the bear when you have the league minimum guys who are just trying to scrap for every, you know, thousand dollars at the you know, every thousand every bit of the hundreds of thousands of dollars they make a year, which is nothing compared to what the top of the league makes, it's easy for, for Blake Snell making thirty million a year to Take a stand. It's easy for Bryce Harper to take a stand when he just signed a three hundred fifty million dollar contract. It's easy for a Bryce Har- or for a uh, obviously a Mike Trout when he just signed a four hundred million dollar contract. It's easy for him to take a stand. But your life isn't normal compared to the guys at the bottom of the league. If you cared about the players, oh, the fans don't care about the players. Bryce Harper, do you care about all the players, or do you just care about you and your select percentage of players making the amount of money you are? Because it's okay to be selfish and say, I care about me, because at some point in a pandemic and at some point in a national emergency, we all become a little selfish about what we got to do for us. But don't sit there and say, oh, the fans have it twisted. No, you have it twisted. You care about you, and that's it. I highly doubt that the league minimum guys are on the same page as the guys at the top. That's all I got to say about that. Let's go to Steve and Fairborn. Steve, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, guys. What's happening? Hey, hey. My, my question is this. Not so long ago, I'm going back to McGuire Sosa years where baseball was basically dying until those two guys got into the home run contest, you know, that year where they went off. Oh, yeah. And 
my question to you guys is this. If this doesn't go forward because I think it's the players, I mean, I, I believe it's the players wholeheartedly, what damage do you think it's going to do to baseball? Because it almost died before. I think it's going to be in trouble because the problem with baseball now is, and sure, I could say who are the stars of the game, and you'll say Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, but they are the stars of the game, but they're the stars of a game that is still trying to figure out how to increase ratings because their most anticipated series of the year, the World Series, the ratings, last year was the least watched World Series in the history of, the, of baseball. And you had... You know, you had the Nationals, but sure, or not sure. You had, like, the biggest names in baseball in that between the Astros and the Nationals, and no one tuned in. That's a problem, and your stars can't generate people to tune into your game. So they don't have the star power to come back from this to get people excited to play again. You know what I mean, Steve? So that's my first concern. And my second concern is is that this might not be the only season that doesn't happen if there's not a season. They're having another collective bargaining agreement for next year, and if they don't make this happen... I'm not confident that they get something happen for next year either. So this is a very troubling time for baseball if they can't figure it out. Well, I'm tired of all the whining and belly aching anyway. I mean, the average person I know they're above average. You know, they, they don't they don't deal with reality like we do. If we don't go to work, we have to go to unemployment. We don't get paid. You know, the baseball union is the strongest union of sports. It's been like that for a long time. And that's why we have all these problems because the union's not going to budge. But I'm sick and tired of hearing all the belly aching of multi-millionaires and all this other crap. I mean, the average person, if he doesn't go to work, he doesn't get paid. Why should they be paying anything for the service that they're not providing at this point in time? And, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to pretend to know both sides of the coin as far as the owners and what they're doing, like the money they're making versus the players. I know that both sides are to blame for this, but I'm not really... Pro, just because I'm blaming the players doesn't mean I'm against the owners or for the owners. I'm against it all as a whole, but the players are the ones talking. Well, why isn't anyone saying anything about the owners? Well, they're the ones not talking. So shut up, Bryce Harper. Stop talking. The owners, the, the players need to stop talking. Trevor Bauer needs to stop talking. They're the problem, and that's what's led to so many people you know, being against the players in this situation. But this well, isn't a good thing moving forward. Well, everything's rolling downhill. I mean, the, the TV contracts are what pays the majority of the salaries. Mm -hmm. Well... I mean, they're going to want their money back because they're not getting their product. So the owners are going to want a percentage of that money back because they're not getting, you know, the players aren't on the field playing. So it's all it's all going to roll downhill at some point in time. And I think it's bad for baseball. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if they can recover from it, but I guess there's always hope. You guys take care. You too, Steve. I appreciate the comment. Thank you. Uh, and Steve brings up a lot of good points. And by the way, that 30 for 30 uh, is going to be coming out here in the near future with the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, the home run chase and everything. Um Baseball was just fun then. And people keep saying, oh, they need to bring steroids back to baseball because that's what made it fun. Folks, do you realize that the home run number, like, home runs didn't make that year fun. The stars did. Semi Sosa was known across baseball, American League or National League. Kids all around the world wanted to be Sammy Sosa. And I know people mock Sammy Sosa today. That's fine. Whatever. When I was a kid, <laughs> when you hit a home run, you had to do the Sammy hop. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Sammy Sosa did more. I Say what you want about Sammy Sosa. I will take his appeal in today's game over any player in the league today. There is not one player that could do what Sammy Sosa did for baseball as far as appealing to the fans of baseball. Say what you want, but that's the truth. There's not a player. Mike Trout does not ring a bell with anybody. Oh, what do you mean? His numbers are great. Good for his numbers. Fantastic. That's super. <laughs> what has that done for the game? As much as we brag about Mike Trout's numbers, has he taken the game? Has he elevated the game? 
You know what? I, Michael Jordan elevated the NBA. LeBron has elevated the NBA. Although ratings are going down now, but that's beside the point. Uh, Major League Baseball, those stars of today, as much as we like to sit there and say, oh man, look how great they are, they do not elevate today's game. The World Series, the lowest rated World Series in World Series history. That's a problem. What leverage do the players have? When your ratings are, are tanking, attendance is down across the board, no one cares about the sport right now, uh, and yet you're going to sit there and act like you have leverage in these negotiations as if the sport can't go on without you. Well, it's not just kicking ass with you. That's, that's a problem. So Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, I mean, Roger Clemens. I mean, yes, I know a lot of those names are, you could put a cheating scandal next to them. But folks, I'm telling you right now, they cheated to enhance their numbers. But baseball today is proving that numbers don't draw fans. A high batting average doesn't draw fans to the stands. A high on-base percentage puts people to sleep except for the nerds in their mom's basements. No one cares about that stuff. Let's stop acting like the things that you think are important in baseball actually are important in baseball. Because although they might be important to managers and players for how to manage within a game, it is not, it is not relating to the fans outside of baseball as far as drawing them in. It's not working. Sure, Barry Bonds, you know, steroids. Sammy Sosa, Court Bat, steroids. Mark McGuire, steroids. Roger Clemens, steroids. Alex Rodriguez, steroids. Uh, all these guys were associated with steroids and cheating. But you know what the cheating was done for? The cheating was done to enhance their numbers. And if you think that people tuned in because of those players' numbers, you're wrong. Because today's players' numbers are just as good. Mike Trout's numbers are the best, I mean, literally, all-time great numbers. He is on pace to be the all-time greatest player ever. And yet, do we actually look at him that way? He doesn't even make the playoffs. He's made the playoffs once in his entire career. That's sad. That's bad. That's the real issues in baseball. So, my point is, is that home run numbers are through the roof. I mean, when we're sitting here talking about, you know, the, you know, a baseball conspiracy theory about, man, is the league, you know, changing, altering the balls so that the ball leaves the ballpark more? Their home run numbers are through the roof all over the place. And that has not led to higher ratings. So when everyone thinks that, oh, in the 90s and the 2000s, that the chicks loved the long ball, that that's what led to the increase in ratings. Maybe that wasn't it, folks. Maybe it's just because they had star power. They had, they, they had stars that resonated with the fans. And they don't have that today. They don't. Say what you want about Sammy Sosa, like I said, but I promise you Sammy Sosa appealed to more fans during his prime than any star in the game today, including loudmouth, annoying-ass Trevor Bauer. He's at the... God, I hope his ERA is over 9 this year. I hope it's over 9. 10. Kevin's ready to... I can't disagree. Yeah, he, You get to a certain point where he's, he's at the 20, the 10 <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> There you go. I just let you go, man. So, all right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder Show next. You check things all the time, like your email every 10 seconds or your ex's Instagram. But what about checking something as important as your credit? Well, Discover makes it quick, easy, and best of all, free. Discover is now offering FICO credit scores, the score used by 90% of top lenders for free, even if you're not a customer. Checking your score won't hurt your credit, and you can check each month for changes always for free. The Discover Credit Scorecard, free for everyone. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. For the ones we trust to always be there. For the ones caring for others. For the ones who keep things going, no matter where they are. In extraordinary times, extraordinary people step up. Like the ones standing guard and standing on the 
front lines and the ones who are staying apart. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who you are. show right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio, 436 here in the Dayton area, and excited to be hanging out with you here this afternoon. Hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. I'm sunburnt like you would not believe. I cannot hang out in the sun too long without literally turning into a lobster. And that's the first thing Kevin said to me when he saw me <laughs> earlier today. Lobster man, right off the bat. All right, uh, talking baseball, obviously, to open up this hour. 457-9464. We'll get to your calls in a moment. I'm curious people's thoughts. Like, okay, I'm angry at the players. Are you angry at the players? Are you the, I mean, when, when you get on social media, when you tune into this show, when you tune into other shows and you hear the back and forth, when you hear people explaining what's going on as far as the negotiations are concerned, I guess, I mean, am I wrong for putting too much blame on the players? Uh, I, I mean, is it even bothering you? Are, you? are you the kind of person that's sitting in your car or sitting at work saying, you know, I just want baseball back and that, you, that that's kind of where your emotion stops? Because on social media, it's a little different. I mean, everyone is just angry at the players. But there's only one way to be on social media, and that's angry. So that's why I'm curious. I'm trying to talk to the rational people out there on their phones, you know. <laughs> but four five seven nine four six four. the outcome right now, even if there is a season, your gut is telling you what about the players? How genuine are the players? I mean, are, are, has baseball gone too far this time? Why has every other sports league been able to put something together except Major League Baseball? Why are they the only ones? I don't want to hear the excuses of, oh, well, look, it gets tricky with with the financial talks. No, I mean, yes, it does. But when you have adults sitting in a room, it, it, it could usually be hashed out. And not usually. It does get hashed out. The NBA, the NFL. And now you know you're going to bring up some of the lockouts from seasons past. But, folks, this isn't a CBA. This isn't a normal collective bargaining agreement. This is a time where everyone had to make sacrifices because of the the pandemic that was going on that impacted literally everyone in their lives and financial lives. And Major League Baseball players are acting as if they cannot experience that. But, Justin, what about the owners? What about the owners? You think that at your jobs that the owners made sure that everything was a 50-50 split? Really? The fact that... The, the fact that 50-50 split is even being discussed in any kind of form is a miracle in itself. Do you think that myself... Do you think that I'm getting a 50-50 split with the owners of Alpha Media? No. Do you think that you at your job is getting a 50-50 split between you and the owners of yours? And if you're an owner, congratulations, by the way. And I don't mean that. Sorry if I said that in a mocking tone. I say congratulations on being the owner, but at the same time knowing the impact that you've had to go through as a business owner because of everything going on. So I, I acknowledge that. But I'm just curious, Wait, am I you. being too hard on the players? Four five seven nine four six four. Twitter is at 1410Kinner, K-I-N-N-E-R. Like I said, 
for the players to sit there and act like, oh, well, you know, everyone likes to bring up the owners. I don't care about the owners in this situation. Owners are supposed to make more money. That's how they're, that's why they're owners. That's how they became owners. They didn't sit there and say, hey, we need to go around and try to make sure that everyone's making the same exact amount of money. That's not, if you as a business owner are trying to find a model where your employees are making the same amount of money as you, you're not going to be open that long. That's not an opinion. That's common sense. So for everyone out there that thinks, well, the baseball players should be angry. I mean, the owners need to be taking a cut. Who says? Who says? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Let's go to Rob. Rob, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, not much. How's it going? Good. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I, I talked to my wife about this a long time ago when they when they said they were going to have to let go like all these minor league ball players didn't mm-hmm. pay them any money. And these major league ball players didn't want to pass it. Oh, put your minor league ball players on the field. I bet they'll come out and play. You know, you know what? You're right. That way, you know what? You're I'm right. Sure, I'm sure we can find someone to play first base to hit ten home runs a year. That's two thirty five for a lot cheaper than two hundred thirty five million dollars a year. I'm with you. Look, I'm not again. Like if this was like a CBA conversation, I would be more pro player because the players should go out. I mean, you're making an agreement for ten years. You should be trying to get every dime you can. But we're talking about for one season, and they are acting as if the decision. If they cave to the owners, that they are making this vast decision that is going to impact the rest of their lives. It's not. It's really not. And I believe if they put them players on the field, people would support it. They'd be behind them. I believe they would. They, say say that again. Honor. Say that again. I believe if they put their minor league ball players on the field, I bet people would support them. They'd watch them. They'd be behind. Possibly, I think that people would, it would be hard to get behind the fact that I mean baseball. The problem is the sport of baseball would have soured its fan base to where it wouldn't matter who was out there at that point. But I see your point. I think people would still pull for some of those guys. I don't see that happening. But you're right. Uh, the the owners need to have the same mentality that all business owners have. It's like, well, if you can't do the job. I'll find somebody else that will. And sure, it's going to be, you're not going to replace a Mike Trout with a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper. But if those guys aren't bringing you ratings through the roof anyways, what good are they at that point? So that's all I got to say about that. All right. You have a good day, man. <laughs> you too, Rob. Thanks so much. 457 9464. We'll be back in just a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. The Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Date, 1410 Wing AM. Something we'll get into coming up in hour number three. A lot of former Cincinnati Bearcat baseball players are pressuring the university to change the name of Marge Shot Stadium for obvious for obvious reasons. Um, the FCC would not allow me to read some of her famous quotes uh, from you know back in the day. So there's that. But I found this interesting. The athletic director responded, kind of. He put out a statement. But it was just a bunch of nothing, and we'll get into that coming up in Hour 3. But be thinking about that. For those of you Reds fans who are familiar with the history of Martin Schott, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Again, former uh, al- I mean, alumni, former Cincinnati Bearcat baseball players, current baseball players, are urging the university to change the name. They do not want to play in the stadium named after Martin Schott. And... Uh, they have a point. I mean, we're seeing statues pulled down from around the country. We're seeing, I mean, a lot of questions uh, be put into place is some of the names that we used to honor and used mm-hmm. to look up to and we used to read about in our history books and everything like that. So this is going to be interesting what comes of this because based on the statement from the athletic director, which we'll get to in hour number three, he released a statement but re- really released nothing at all. We'll get into that coming up in hour three. Plus, which team would you want to see Ohio State beat in the national title game? I know that sounds like a very 
weird question, but the fan in Columbus asked this earlier today. I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, of all the teams, look, I just want Ohio State to win a national championship. I couldn't really care less who it is. But then again, that's not true. I kind of like I, I didn't I don't want to see Ohio State matched up with a boring team like Ohio State's Ohio State that's great we're going to tune in to watch them no matter what but there are some teams that with Ohio State hoisting the trophy over their head at the end of the game it just means more because of who they beat we'll get into that coming up around the corner as well did you just use the SEC's line it just means more oh yeah <laughs> you want to be the man you got to be the man you want to be the SEC you got to be the SEC Saw the CBS poll came out, ranked the coaches in the Big Ten. James Franklin, number one. Uh Uh-uh. That ain't cutting it. That ain't cutting it. We'll get to that coming up as well. All right, so Hall of Famer Hal McCoy, him and I uh, got to catch up this past Friday. We discussed the future of Major League Baseball. Will there be a 2020 season? Now, this was before the current proposal came out. But it sounds like, based on the reaction to the most recent proposal that came out earlier this afternoon, that it doesn't really matter. Hal McCoy says that, well... For instance, you'll hear it in the interview, baseball doesn't just shoot itself in the foot. It shoots itself in both both feet. He doesn't believe that there'll be a 2020 season. Here's why. Joining us now to discuss that, uh, one of our favorite guests on the show, the Hall of Famer, Hal McCoy. He joins us now. Hal, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Justin? Good. It's great to hear from you and great to catch up with you. Listen, I know that, you know, anytime I talk to Marty or Tim Kirkson or anybody that has followed this sport their entire lives like you have, it's safe to say that up until this year, you could have said you've basically seen it all when it comes to anything that can happen in baseball. This year has obviously challenged that. I mean, every day, just something new. What are your thoughts right now on where we're at as far as waiting to hear when baseball will return? Yeah, I have my doubts, Justin, that baseball is going to return this year. And what makes it even uh, uh, more dangerous is the fact that the contract uh, expires. And uh, if they don't get something settled this year, they're going to go into next year still without a contract and still fighting and uh, could end up with a strike in 2021. Uh, you know, baseball not only shoots itself in the foot all the time, it shoots itself in both feet. It's just unbelievable what's going on. You got the uh, uh, NBA coming back. You got the NHL coming back. You got Major League Soccer coming back. NASCAR is already back. And baseball is still arguing over a few dollars. Yeah, and that's what's been most disappointing about all of this. And you mentioned, you know, next year's, you know, CBA, next year's meetings between the two sides. Is this one of those where, yes, there's obviously present-day issues that they're trying to negotiate and fight through back and forth. But how, how much of this is neither side wants to give up to the other side because that could set the tone heading into next year's negotiations. You don't want to be known as the side that backed down. How much of a role is that playing, in your opinion? That's exactly right. You hit it right on the head that uh, both sides are stubborn. They always have been. Uh, every time something like this comes up, uh, both sides want to win. Neither side wants to give. Uh, right now, both sides are saying uh, uh, they've made their last offers and uh, they're so far apart that uh, it's just incredibly uh, nonsense. Now, it's tough to ask what's next because we don't really know, but I guess what what is next? Major League Baseball comes out and says we're not going to uh, provide you a counteroffer. I know there is the 48-game the, the season, 50-game season, minimum game season that they had agreed to back in March that you know Rob Manford and Major League Baseball has the power to implement. But w- what is the next step, in your opinion? What do you expect to hear uh, you know, in the coming days? I expect to hear that they're going to cancel the season. I, I just don't see how. I know there are some uh, owners already saying that uh, just cancel the season. 
uh, you know, they're claiming it uh, every game they play. They're losing hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars for every game, uh, which is why the owners only want uh, a 50 or 60 game season. Uh, the players wanted a 114 game season because the more games they play, uh, the more money they make, and they don't want to uh, lose the money off of those uh, million dollar contracts. And so, uh, you know, who knows what's next. Uh, Hall of Famer Hal McCoy with us here on the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 uh, ESPN Radio. And, you know, it's what's, there's so many things in, in the world going on now, Hal, that are disappointing, obviously, when it comes to the coronavirus. And it's hard to, you know, sit there and say how tough certain things are when it comes to sports. But it has to be tough for Reds fans heading into this year. There's been so much losing over the last half decade. And it's finally at the point where you could feel excited about this product heading into the year. And it's not even about, we're not even thinking about that right now. And we could miss out on a year that could have had one of the best rotations uh, that the Reds have had in quite some time. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, there was finally a reason for Reds fans to be excited. It looked as if they were going to be uh, very competitive. And, uh, you know, now if they don't play, who knows what's going to happen uh, next year. Uh, Moustakas uh, could leave. Trevor Bowers already talking about how he'd like to pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's uh, just uh, an incredible turmoil right now. And, uh, you know, so much, as you say, going on, even the uh, COVID-19 virus uh, is playing into the negotiations with baseball. Uh, the owners are fearful that the uh, COVID-19 will resurface uh, uh, heavily in the fall, which is why they want a short season, because they they fear that they're going to lose the playoffs uh, if the uh, COVID-19 resurfaces, uh, you know, heavily. And it would... Uh, it would cost them uh, like $370 million in uh, playoff television money. Holy moly. That's, uh, yeah, no wonder they're being defensive of that. Um, but, you know, it's it's funny, like, the, the players, it was interesting at a certain point, I remember hearing, like, Trevor Bauer, I was listening to his podcast, and what was frustrating is that he was sitting there saying that, you know, that, and he even heard from Blake Snell and saying, oh, that they're putting their lives on the line. And although I do fully respect the concern about playing during a pandemic, it seems that they aren't totally concerned about health because Major League Baseball, you know, implementing a shorter season, players don't want a shorter season. They want a longer season. Well, that goes against, you know, concerns over safety. The other part of it was is that Major League Baseball said you're not allowed to bring guests into the dugout to bring guests, you know, to the games. Uh, and players were totally against that as well. It just seems that you can't sit there and argue that safety is the player's number one concern when every safety precaution that's being put into place with shorter seasons and, and no guests at the stadium, they're against all of those as well. There's just so many loopholes that they have to jump through. Yeah, no doubt about that too. Uh, uh, that's a very good point that the players uh, want, wanted that 114 game season and, and yet they're concerned uh, about their families and their health and uh, uh, being together and uh, having to uh, stay in the same hotel and uh, be tested every day uh you know it's, it's just a total mess hall of famer hal mccoy how you've been doing this a long time can is it how weird is it that you have yet to cover i mean we're sitting here in you know early june when we come back it'll be june 8th next monday i'm just curious how, how weird is this that you have yet to cover a game here this year uh it's extremely weird i mean uh this would have been uh, my 48th year of covering baseball and uh never have i uh sat at home with nothing to do in, uh, in early June, and it's just totally, totally bizarre. Every day is the same. I don't even know what day it is. I'm curious about, you know, for you when you cover, uh, you're covering games, like let's say that media was allowed uh, to cover games. If games came back this year, how, how comfortable would you be heading uh, to Great American Ballpark to cover games right now? 
Uh, I would be comfortable uh, uh, if, uh, you know, we had the spacing in the press box and uh, we probably would not be allowed in the clubhouse to interview the players. You know, they could probably do that by closer to television. Uh, I would not be uncomfortable at all, but probably that's because I miss baseball so much. <laughs> all right, the Hall of Famer, Hal McCoy. All right, Hal, thank you so much for taking time and hanging out with us today. We just wanted to touch base, and I'm hoping that this isn't our only baseball conversation this season, but uh, hopefully the end result is different than what you predicted. And I'm, I'm hoping, I don't say this often, I'm hoping you're wrong, Hal. I'm hoping you're wrong, this person. <laughs> I've been wrong a lot, and I hope I'm really wrong this time, but I'm not optimistic, but we shall see. All right, Tom, we'll continue to stay safe, be healthy, and thank you so much for your time today. Thanks. You take care now. Live here on ESPN Dayton, I'll send you to the Wing Studios in Kettering. Here's your host, Justin Kidder. The Justin Kinner Show, Hour 3, right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. And, of course, we're coming at you live online at wingam.com. So make sure you, if you're not in the listening range, you can stream us anywhere you go. So take advantage of that at wingam.com. Subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. Take us with you anywhere you go, right in the palm of your hand. Which team would you rather see Ohio State beat in the national championship game? Right to the, we're getting right to it. Oh, I see. Swinging right off the bat. As we, as you now know, like think back to the last national championship Ohio State won. If we compare the last two, the one against Miami in 2002, obviously, arguably one of the best teams ever in the history of college football. Uh, Miami, not Miami of Ohio. Holy crap, I'm losing my mind. Yeah, Miami of Ohio. That was, that was one of Ohio State's toughest uh, regular season games last year, though. Uh, but in 2002, the national championship game, uh, obviously Miami. All the NFL players on both sides of the ball, on both teams, it was unreal. But that was a team that had that huge winning streak that they snapped. Uh, that was the opponent that if Ohio State was going to win a national championship against that year, that was the team you wanted them to do it against. You know what I mean? It, just, it had substance. It had flair. It had the storyline. It had the David versus Goliath feel. It had the, I can't believe that that happened. You know what I mean? Like That had everything. That just meant so much. And to this day, it just means everything. Think back to 2014 national championship game, Oregon. Now you, ha- I mean, it's a good, or- it's a very good Oregon for one. They're in a national title game, of course they're good, but wasn't as sexy. Not a lot of substance. I mean, you did have Marcus Mariota, Heisman quarterback. Like you know, there, there was a lot there. But let's be honest. Do you actually like when we think back to that 2014 national championship season? We don't ever refer to it as oh, the year we beat Oregon. Right. It's that's the year we beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. To get to Oregon to beat Oregon to win the national championship. Like, beating Alabama was winning the national championship. Winning the actual national championship was just the cherry on top. Like, let's be real here. It was The matchup was everything. It just meant more, to quote the SEC, as you said earlier, Kev. It just meant more, beating Alabama. Beating Oregon was great. You won a national championship. I'm not saying that the national championship meant nothing. I'm just saying we don't think about Oregon. You forget that Marcus Mariota, who might not be as great in the NFL, but was a fantastic, was an elite college football quarterback. That was a good Oregon team, good off, a good coach team, good everything. That was a good team that Ohio State beat. 
But that's not, we don't think about that. We think that's the year we won the national championship, but the year that we beat Alabama in the semifinals. So matchups mean everything. So as we head into this season, this is different than in 2002 and 2014. We expect to win a national championship. And everyone expected them to have a chance in 2002. But when you knew you were going to run into Miami, let's be clear here, a lot of fans were just happy that you were in the game. And you were happy you had a chance to go up against Miami. Now, it's easy to put your chest out and say, oh, we, you know, no, I knew we had a chance to win. Folks, that Miami team was one of the best teams of all time. You beat them. You proved that you belonged there. It was fantastic. But let's just be real here. Okay. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to head into a game and say, yeah, maybe we don't really have a shot, but this is going to be fun and let's see what we can do. That was the case in 2014 heading into the playoff to begin with. You had a third string quarterback. You weren't even really sure what you had even with JT Bear heading into that playoff. And you really didn't know what the hell you had heading into the college football playoff with Cardell Jones other than a 50 something, nothing, you know, smacking of Wisconsin. I mean, it, let's be honest. You go on to win the national championship, it's easy to say, oh, we knew what we had. No, you didn't. But this year's different. We're heading into 2020 knowing that as long as we get this season in and can get to the playoff and get out on the field, this team has what it takes to win a national championship. Best offensive line in the country. A second best quarterback in the country. Maybe the best one. Who knows what the offseason growth is going to be like for Justin Fields. That's not a shot at Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence has already earned that right to be called the best. He's been in the college football playoff every year that he's been in college. He has won a national championship. All right, He beat Ohio State last year. That's not me taking a shot at Ohio State. That's just the reality of it. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. Justin Fields is the second best. But honestly, it's 1A and 1B. There's really not a big gap. Okay. With that being said, there's a lot of optimism for Ohio State heading into this season. I'm excited for it. You're excited for it. And you know that most likely the season is going to end, hopefully, in the final game of the year in the national championship game. So which team would just mean more? Which team would just, like I said, in 2014, you beat Oregon to win a national championship. We don't talk about that championship game the way we do about the one against Miami. Why? Because who you play matters. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear that, oh, all, I'm, all I care about is getting there. That I agree with you, yes. I'm not going to say that, oh, I don't even want them to play in the title game unless it's against these teams. But at the same time, I think we all like a good storyline. Last year. I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to run into Clemson in the first round. I wanted them to face Clemson in the national title game. I felt better about Ohio State's chances against LSU in the first round if it would have been a one-versus-four matchup. Okay, so that, that's kind of where I was with that. But we knew that, man, if you can get Ohio State versus LSU in the national title game last year, Joe Burrow, you know, the I mean, Joe Burrow versus Ohio State, Ohio State versus Joe Burrow, that would have been fantastic. There would have been nothing better than that last year, other than Ohio State against Alabama in the title game last year. Um, you know, it, it didn't matter. There were storylines all over the place. There was a lot of different options as far as that's concerned. But four five seven nine four six four, uh Kevin, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, we're taking your calls now. If you look at this season, which team just means more? Which opponent means more? Which is that opponent that you look at and say, man, that's who I want to see Ohio State end their season against in the national championship game here in 2020? 457 9464. I'm going to go down the list. Um, there's a lot of good options on this list of who Ohio State could end the season against. All great options, just some have more substance than others. Oregon, with the Heisman winning quarterback in 2014, was a fantastic option, was a great option. But let's be real. I think we would have rather have beaten Alabama. 
in the national championship game as far as that's concerned. So let's go down this. In 2020, Ohio State national championship game, which opponent would you rather the Buckeyes face? Let's, let's start with Alabama. Nick Saban, best coach in college football, hands down. Best program in college football, hands down. No questions asked. That's, I mean, when you talk about building your program, that's, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with being Ohio State. The only thing Ohio State would change about themselves that they would like to be like Alabama in is just winning more national titles. The only thing Alabama, I shouldn't say the only thing because it's a big thing, they've won more national titles in this last 10 years than Ohio State has. I've argued that Ohio State has underachieved during Urban Meyer's time because they recruited at the same level as Alabama. They have the same talent as Alabama. Uh, and Yet, they don't have as many titles. So I've, that's why I've always felt that. But, man, Alabama, you beat them in anything, that would be the second straight time Ohio State would have beaten them. It would be on the huge pl- stage in the national championship game against an SEC opponent at that. How about that? <laughs> Alabama would be a fantastic matchup for Ohio State in the national championship game. That storyline would write itself. How about LSU? I Again, this would be, remind me of the Oregon year. It's a good team. Not a bad program to go up against in a national title game. It is an SEC school, so anytime you could punch around an SEC school, that's a good thing, especially if you're Ohio State and especially if you're the Big Ten. So Ohio State versus the defending national champions, the LSU Tigers, that's fantastic. But there's no Joe Burrow. So I would say that I wouldn't be I wouldn't put LSU at the top of my list as far as teams that I would love to see uh, face Ohio State in the national championship game. How about this one? How about Texas? All right, Texas, not as sexy as some of the other teams, but I love the Tom Herman aspect of this. I love the fact that we could potentially be discussing a Tom Herman versus Ryan Day, two of the two of the, you know, the understudies of an Urban Meyer now having a chance to lead their teams. Imagine if Texas gets to the national championship game against Ohio State. That's cool. Is it as important as Clemson and Alabama and others? No, but I love that storyline. Ohio State versus Texas. Tom Herman against Ryan Day. Not just because Tom Herman was under Urban Meyer and with the Buckeye staff, but because he played a huge role, folks, in that Zach Smith debacle that led to Urban's departure out of Ohio State to begin with. The storylines write themselves. Ohio State-Texas national title game, I would put that above LSU. I would prefer to see that over LSU if it came down to that. Ohio State-Clemson. That's it. That's the that, that's what everyone wants to see, folks. Ohio State-Clemson. Clemson's the second-best program in the country if you base it off national championships the last 10 years. The amount, I mean, Clemson has been winning at such a high level, uh, recruiting at such a high level, winning championships at such a high level, and beating the number one team in the country, Alabama, doing it along the way. You cannot say enough about the job that Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers have done rival, rivaling uh, Alabama as far as that's concerned. So Ohio State versus Alabama or Clemson would be my main two choices. LSU would be at the bottom. I think it would be okay. Ohio State versus an SEC team. But I would prefer LSU or I would prefer Clemson or Alabama. But I did throw in a wild card team, folks. Imagine this. It could happen. Alabama and Georgia faced off in the national title game a few years ago. So it's not Unlikely. There's a lot of themes that we've created about the college football playoff things that were like, oh, there's no way that they'll let a two-loss team into the playoff. There's no way that they won't let a a non-conference champion in. Folks, we've seen it happen a few times. We've seen Georgia make it into the playoff and make it to the championship game without being a division champion, without being the SEC champion. We've seen Ohio State make it to the college football playoff, not win the Big Ten, 
and make it over the team in the Big Ten that beat them that was the Big Ten champions. We've seen crazy things happen all the time when it comes to the playoffs. So to say that this matchup could never happen is wrong. Ohio State, Michigan. Whoa. Do that one more time. Whoa. There we go. National championship game, baby. Ohio <laughs> State, Michigan. Now, as far as this year, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. You're not going to get a... Oh, the hype going, right? No, no, no. But here's the deal. Like, if I had to pick an opponent for Ohio State to win a national championship over, especially this year, yes, Clemson, yes, Alabama, those two. LSU, eh. Texas, I like the Tom Herman aspect. But Michigan, that would be fantastic. That would be epic. Michigan-Ohio State is already the biggest rivalry in sports, but you put, I mean, everyone's like, oh, man, it doesn't get any bigger than that. But it does. Ohio State-Michigan in the national title game. Folks, we can't say that could never happen. I don't think it's happening this year, but it could happen. That would be the biggest deal in the world to me. We've seen what has happened in the past. I hate when Ohio State and Michigan are always 1-2 because they're basically just playing to knock the other one out. It's basically a playoff game to begin with half the time. We've seen, though, Georgia and Alabama face off in the SEC title game. The loser still goes on to make it to the playoff. A lot of things have to go right. But it could happen. If I had to pick an opponent for Ohio State to beat in the national championship game, man, beating Dabo Sweeney and Clemson after losing uh, to Clemson so many times and losing in the fashion they did last year, that would be fantastic. But Michigan would just be better. Beating Nick Saban and Alabama, that would be fantastic. Beating Michigan in the national title game would just be better. Beating Tom Herman just because he's a D-bag and just because <laughs> uh, he, he created the huge mess that he did when it came to the Zach Smith situation years ago. And because it's Texas, because it's a blue blood school like that. It would mean a lot, but it would not mean as much as beating Michigan in the national title game. The Michigan game is so unlikely, it's not even funny to talk about in, 20, in 2020, but man, of all those opponents, who would I love to see Ohio State play in the final game of the year in the title game more? That is who I would like to see him play. Michigan is a wild card team in my, in my list here. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Clemson, it's an easy one. Everyone wants to see the rematch, Ohio State and Clemson, but you you got to admit, there's a lot of intriguing storylines as far as that's concerned. Let's go to Scott. Scott, thanks for holding, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. First of all, thank you for talking sports because nobody else seems to be... Okay. <laughs> we, 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 we do a, we're trying to do a balance. Obviously, there's a lot to touch on, but absolutely, right. man. So right, thank you for right. that. So, um, yeah, you stole my thunder, man. I thought I'd be the only one coming up with Michigan, but that would mean <laughs> Michigan is back, and I hate Michigan, but that would mean that they are back, and we'd be able to beat them in championship game. And my second choice, probably Alabama, but somebody else I'd just love to be would be Notre Dame because I hate them that much. So that's a different. I like that you called in and brought something new to the table as far as that. Yeah, Notre Dame, I think it's just for me. I kept them off because we've seen that matchup. Quite a few times in Ohio State, always comes out on top. But you're right, it, it never bothers us to watch them beat up on Notre Dame another time, especially in the title game situation. I think Notre Dame's in trouble. I think that they proved the committee wrong last time by, you know, the committee gave them the benefit of the doubt for going undefeated and then got shellacked again. Uh, we'll see how that works moving forward. Yeah, I agree. But it'd be cool to be able to see them get beat by somebody like the Buckeyes. But um, realistically, probably, uh, like you said, either Alabama or Michigan. I get a top team, so it soon be. 
All right. Good stuff, man. I appreciate the call, Scott. Thank you. Oh, oh, sorry. Four five seven nine four six four. If you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kenner Show. Ohio State in the national title game. It's it's a re, it's a realistic outcome this season. Who would you rather see them run into come the championship game? There's so many great options out there. I mean, and, and again, I'm getting this on Twitter. It doesn't matter as long as they win, folks. We've been through this. I just pointed out that it actually it does matter who you play. No one gets all fuzzy inside when we talk about beating Oregon in the title game in 2014. You only get fuzzy inside because you won a title, yes, but because you beat Alabama to get there. Alabama was the headliner. Oregon was the undercard, and the headliner was Alabama, but you beat the headliner to get to the undercard to win the title. That's basically what happened that year. Matchups matter. We love the fact that the 2002 championship happened against Miami. Winning a title is great, but who you beat enhances it. Just put it that way. Uh, Let's go to John. John, thanks for holding. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Good. Okay. If you asked me a year ago, I would have said Alabama. Uh huh. Just because I hate SEC, I hate well, I hate <laughs> Alabama. I hate the, that that whole aspect because I feel like the SEC always gets the benefit of the doubt, no matter what. Fair Which, enough. In a way, it's really been Alabama that's earned that. It's not really been any other SEC school, obviously, with LSU that changed. But if you ask me today, I really want to beat Clemson. Uh, and I like the Michigan angle, but we've been beating them for so long. I've seen it. It's happened. I don't need to see it. One thing I just want to see is to see Dabo Sweeney lose to that Ohio State. I don't know. And maybe even Oklahoma, not because of the new, but just because of the whole Baker Mayfield thing when he planted the flag. There's a little bit of bitterness still there towards Oklahoma, maybe necessarily Baker. But no matter what, my answer is going to be Clemson because they seem to always get the better of us. And I just really want to beat Clemson. No, that's another good program right there. And you know what? And I should have put Oklahoma down. You brought up the revenge game from the Baker Mayfield incident, just the, that that feeling still there. But the two best young college football head coaches in the game today are Ryan Day and, and Lincoln Riley. So that right there alone would be a very intriguing matchup as far as that's concerned, John. I agree with that. I just think I don't think the Big 12 can really hang. And that's another thing with the whole Texas what do you know. mean? You saw that uh, Oklahoma, they hung in there for a good two minutes last year with Clemson. What do you yeah. mean they can't hang? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just think as of right now, you have Clemson, and I, I my barber loves the ACC and tries to talk up the ACC because he's a Florida State fan. Hey, just, what's your barber's name? <laughs> Eric. Eric, Eric, my new friend. Yeah, he's a big Florida State fan, and he loves the ACC. But it's really Clemson holding up for the ACC. The two big boy conferences really are the SEC and the Big Ten. So obviously beating Alabama is nice. But like I said, with the whole Michigan thing, we've beat Alabama now. We I just want to beat Clemson. That's the one victory that we haven't tasted yet. We haven't got that sweet victory over Clemson. So I just think that's too intriguing. And plus Dabo Sweeney is a really good football coach. And to be honest, I like Clemson. I like what they've done with the program. But I'm a diehard Buckeye guy, and I really want to see the Buckeyes beat Clemson. No, that's a great point. And and look, I think people wanted their hands on Clemson because of the previous matchup uh, when they got shut out in the playoffs a few years ago, and then last year to lose the way they did. And you know, everyone remembers the overturn. You know, it's just it's so many weird things happen. You know, people want to beat Clemson, and there's no better way to get revenge on an opponent than to beat them in the biggest game of the year. When you take a championship away from Clemson and Dabo, that would be huge, especially against a Trevor Lawrence-led team, too. That would be fantastic. 
like I said, and it feels like, you know, the refs cost us the game last year, and we threw the game away a little bit ourselves. It's just, it, you just want to beat Clemson because it just seems like we hiccup every time against them. But that's the team that I pick. I love the, I like I said, the Michigan angle. I can understand it because it's Michigan and we hate Michigan. But we've been beating on them for so long. I've kind of seen that enough. I kind of want to see us beat Clemson. Absolutely, man. Hey, John, thanks. thanks so, oh, what were you going to say? Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for taking my call. Anytime, John. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, four five seven nine four six four. If you're just tuning in, uh, we just heard uh, from Scott and John and a couple callers about which matchup they would love to see the most in the national championship game. And you're saying, well, we're way too ahead on that. No, I don't. I think it's safe to say that there are championship expectations for Ohio State this year, folks. I will say this: it's play. I, I'm not putting. I will never ever do that again. Where I do a championship or bust expectation on a team. I, I think that's that. You know, there's just so much talent out there. But it's playoff or bust. For Ryan Day and the Buckeyes in 2020, it is playoff or bust, no questions asked. If a year from now we are not talking about the Buckeyes in the, you know, what, in, as far as a playoff standpoint is concerned, that's a problem. This is a playoff team. I was hard on Urban the last two years he was there because I felt he had playoff teams and they did not, they couldn't get it done. But I believe that this is a national championship team and that's not a hot take, folks. That's just, I think everyone in the, in the football world knows that. It's at least playoff or bust. I think that's a fair expectation to have on them. I really like your Texas pick. Um, I think it's almost obvious it's Clemson mm-hmm. and Bama for the top two spots. But I really like that Texas angle, you know, with Tom Herman and uh, especially his recent comments coming out uh, over the weekend. I really like those comments, by the way. But that one and another sleeper for me would be Georgia. Another sleeper for me would be Georgia. Georgia is just like one of those teams that are always on the cusp. Since Kirby Smart has been there, uh, I think their offense is going to be a lot better this year. Um, so I, uh, Georgia will be like a sleeper like team that I would like to beat. That's it. Like I just there's no. And by the way, and this is no different. Like when they ran into Oregon, Oregon. Uh, I mean, Chip Kelly was the head coach. You had you know Marcus Mariota. That that would be like a Georgia matchup where yeah, there's reasons why. I just don't know if it would would it resonate as much. I by the way it would. Because it's the SEC. Yes. And any time Ohio State can beat an LSU, an Alabama, a Florida. By the way, Florida was on the list. Someone just uh, sent in Florida. Florida maybe. If, if, if Urban still there, yeah. yeah. Because that's the thing. You put Urban Meyer back into the equation, then the storylines get even bigger. Like Ohio State versus Alabama, Nick Saban, that's great. That's super. But... What made the last one so big, like that felt so big because it was Urban versus Saban. Mm-hmm. And the fact that in the seven years that those that Urban was in Ohio State that we only got one Urban-Saban matchup, that's disappointing. It's really disappointing. Um, and what would have made, you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's a bummer because Ohio State, Alabama, Nick Saban versus Urban Meyer, that would have been something. But to go on the flip side of that, there's a whole you know pack of new coaches coming up that are dominating college football. Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart too. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to believe at Texas that Tom Herbin is going to be that guy. I think he's failed already to this point. Uh, I think he's underachieved. Failed means that you have not done anything. He has underachieved, um, especially in the Big Twelve. There's no excuses. Like you got to get the job done there. It's not like Oklahoma is the reason Texas has struggled. They've lost to teams they should not be losing to. I can't. You know, excuse that. And then last year was not a good year at all. But Tom Herman, a great offensive mind that many believe is one of the next great head coaches in college football. Kirby Smart's doing his thing in Georgia. He's already basically there. Uh, you look at what Ryan Day's already done one year into his head coaching career at Ohio State, and what he's done as far as recruiting is concerned, setting the stage for future seasons moving forward. 
and then Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. That Oklahoma Ohio State matchup is very intriguing to me. Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day. Ryan Day versus Tom Herman. Kirby Smart versus Tom Herman. Kirby Smart versus Lincoln Riley versus you know Ryan Day. That's where those matchups become intriguing. Just like the old school matchups of Urban Meyer, Nick Saban come into play uh, as far as that's concerned. But while you have those young coaches, you're also going to have Coach O. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. You talk about Texas and uh, Tom Herman. Is this the year? Can they win the SEC? Not SEC. I'm sorry. Uh, Big 12? Can they win the I mean, not even compete for the championship uh, Final Four or anything like that, but can they win the Big 12? Because, I mean, it's belong to Oklahoma. You look at it this way. You look at Oklahoma. Obviously, it's the Big 12 defenses is non-existent unless you play for, like, Kansas State. Um, so it's an offensive-driven league. But you look at Spencer Rattler, sophomore quarterback for Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb is now with your Cowboys. Um, Trey Sermon is now with Ohio State. Now, I know Oklahoma still recruits in the top ten level, but you lose a lot of those big names, household names that we know. You know, there are probably other stars there. But just on the outside looking in, you got a quarterback of Sam Ellinger back Seems like the tenth, tenth year, year. <laughs> at Texas. Him and JT Barrett, man. Yeah. So can can Texas get this one? Can they get a Big Twelve championship this year? Because you gotta win a champ your own conference championship before you can even think about sniffing a playoff. Well, absolutely, and I think when it comes down to it, I mean, and for one, you want to look at Oklahoma. You have Lincoln Riley. I thought Lincoln Riley was gonna bolt. After last year. That was about to be with your Cowboys. I, I thought that that was going to be the case because I thought that his stock wasn't going to get any higher, especially after getting into the playoff as many times as he had, as many Heisman winning quarterbacks as he's been able to coach. To get shellacked the way he did in the playoff, I thought that, hey, the fact that NFL teams still want you right now, go. The Cowboys would have paid, gone through the roof to get him. It, you know, they would have paid every dollar possible. Uh, but they went ahead and moved forward as far as that. You know, they they obviously didn't go that route, whether it was the Cowboys not pursuing with him or, if, you know, he didn't pursue that. So I was surprised that he came back. Lincoln Riley, th- he's under a lot of pressure. Like, Ryan Day is not under pressure yet. I mean, he's under pressure to win. But, like, this is a... Lincoln Riley's. This is going to be an important year for him. He's going to have a lot to prove. And what I mean by that is, right away you came in, you had Baker Mayfield. You had a championship caliber team right off the bat. So there was expectations for him to have success right off the bat. As far as the following year is concerned, you have Kyler Murray, another Heisman winning quarterback. You had that. You know what I mean? And then you get Jalen Hurts to transfer. You don't have that luxury this year. It's not going to be as smooth as what it's been the first three years as head coach at Oklahoma. So I don't think this is going to be Oklahoma's year. I think it's going to be Texas's year. You look at the fact that they open up at South Florida, but they're at LSU, Kev. This is what ticked me off last year about Buckeye fans when they were ripping LSU, which, by the way, how you found ways to rip LSU and Joe Burrow was beyond me. Now you're like, oh, I love Joe Burrow. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Folks, <laughs> when you were in the heat of things last year, let's be honest. You loved Joe Burrow, but you kind of hated him. You kind of hated the fact that LSU was winning. You hated that they beat Texas because all year you kept preaching about, oh, Texas was a good win until they lost how many games at the end of the year? Folks, the fact that they had the guts to go play Texas in the regular season, not on a neutral field, but now again, you know, to go to Texas, they went to Texas and beat Texas. That's a big time win if you're LSU. That was huge. All right. So they got the return game this year. Texas is at LSU. That's it right there. Week two. Mm-hmm. All right, you have South Florida right off the bat. Get your popcorn ready. But 
Texas at LSU. Sam Ellinger, there's so much pressure on him. Tom Herman, this is going to be that career-defining game. You beat LSU, the defending national champions, who will probably be ranked in the top 10. You beat top 10 LSU at LSU in week two to kick off the season. That's that season-defining win for Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns. The Big 12 needs Texas to win this game. They need Texas to be good. I don't think you know what you have in Oklahoma. I mean, you went from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts. You got to, you know, this is his quarterback now. We'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. But Texas at LSU is big. Then they have UTEP, which that's only interesting to me. I lived in El Paso, so I find that interesting. Texas and UTEP playing is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, the Big 12, how good is it going to be? Kansas, are they going to take that next step and be, you know, not there? Not a contender. Less miles in the boys. But we saw the, the, the strides that they've taken with less miles already being there. So there's going to be teams that they run into. TCU, are they going to return to form? Iowa State, Baylor, what to expect from them? They had a great year last year. What to expect with Taylor? They're with Baylor. They're at Texas Tech. They have West Virginia and Oklahoma at home. Texas. This is this is the year that they got to figure it out. There is no excuse as far as Tom Herman's concerned. You don't have a Heisman winning quarterback now that you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about Jalen Hurts. You don't have to worry about Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. This is Sam Ellinger's year. This is the year that Texas gets all the attention. But I'm having a I'm I'm having a feeling, Kev, that Texas is the Michigan of the Big Twelve. That's the vibe I'm getting because there's a lot of similarities. Expectations through the roof every year, and every year that team loses to its rival, and every year that team always ends the se- or starts the season coming in saying it's our year. Every time. No excuses. So Texas, there's a good shot, Kev. We could see Tom Herman, Ryan Day, in the college football playoff or maybe even the national championship game. That's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I'm here for it. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. How about this? Michigan commit Tristan Bounds tells the Wolverine podcast that he wants to kick the blunt. Matchup comes up. I don't want Michigan with two losses by the time we get to them at the end of the season. I don't want Michigan to be the headline of, man, is you know is this the year that Harbaugh, that they fire Harbaugh? I'm, I don't want any of that because we need them to be at the peak, at their peak, when it comes time to the matchup at the end of the year. So that's what's going to be most interesting. But yeah, I wish there was a little bit more of that fire as far as uh, that's concerned in that little rivalry. How about this? It also came out over the weekend. Conor McGregor uh, announces that he's retiring again and <laughs> and again. I say this because he announced on Twitter back in 2016 that he was going to retire, and he came back. Conor McGregor in 2019 announced he was going to retire. Then he came back. And then Conor McGregor over the weekend announced he was going to retire, and now we're waiting for him to come back. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. Stop me if you've heard this one before, right? Conor McGregor retires. Uh, He said that he has lost excitement for the sport. He said he doesn't know what it is. It's no crowd. Uh, there's just no worthy opponents. Uh, Kev, you follow that a little bit more than a I do. Bit. As I mean, are there worthy opponents? Is there an opponent in MMA today that you could put with Conor McGregor and say that's not box office right class. there? Not in his weight class. That's why he's always fighting outside of his weight class right. to begin with. Um, I, I get it. That's a sport that you need. Like when you're an elite guy like him, 
You kind of need that. Like LeBron needs that Kevin Durant. Yeah, to kind of push him on both. Sides. You know what I mean? Like he need LeBron needs that Kevin Durant to meet up in the NBA Finals. You know, Larry Bird needed that Magic Johnson to meet up with in the NBA Finals. Uh, Tom Brady needed that Peyton Manning type adversary to kind of go up against. Right? Like we all need that guy. That that anytime you're in in a sport and you're the and you're what's viewed as the best in that sport, you always need that other guy that other people are saying, "Well, I don't know if he's the best. I think he's the best." And right now, that doesn't exist. I don't mind Conor McGregor retiring. For one, I think he's more of a showman out of the ring than in the ring to begin with. More headlines come from him out of the ring than in the ring. Of course, that's what happens when you punch 80-year-olds and throw crowbars <laughs> at moving buses, buses and you know whatever else goes on. Uh, so that happens. When you punch 80-year-olds and knock out windows and buses, that usually leads to a lot more attention outside of the ring. But I like Conor McGregor. Uh, it will be interesting to see where he goes from here. Like always, though, the second one of these mega stars leaves the UFC, leaves UFC and they leave the ring there, more times than not, they end up in another ring, the WWE. So that's something to keep an eye on as far as that's concerned. The last you know, elite star like that that we really talked about doing that and did it at the highest of levels, Ronda Rousey did it. Uh, and she's still a, technically a WWE superstar to this day. So who knows what's next for Conor McGregor as far as that's concerned. But it's just strange that he retired. He was just accepting... A fight outside of his uh, weight class. I can't remember who it was. It was a few weeks ago. Mike Tyson was another one. Mike Tyson had challenged him to a boxing match and an exhibition match. Ooh. And, of course, he he accepted that on Twitter uh, just a few weeks ago as well. So he's been very busy as far as that's concerned. But interesting nonetheless. But Conor McGregor, I get it. When you are that great, like, there's no one to push him. Like, right now, when you got to think about the NBA, like LeBron James, who's pushing him? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's beat him quite a few times now. Of course, he had to go to the Warriors to do it. But, like, LeBron's still trying to prove. He, he is trying one more time just to say, guys, enough of this. Kevin Durant, you're good, but you're not on my level. Michael did that all the time. Michael, I mean, Clyde, you know, Clyde Drexler running into Carmelo and Stockton, Charles Barkley, you know, Sean, uh, you know, you had obviously Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. I mean, he ran into guys that were the best players in the league, and he just looked at them and said, okay, guys, enough. This, You're cute. You're adorable. Now go play with your toys in the corner while the adults speak here. That was MJ's approach to the game. That's LeBron's approach to the game. That's what all-time greats approach to the game is. Tom Brady is still trying to do that in the game today while everyone's talking about the Patrick Mahomes. I mean, up until last year when Tom Brady got knocked out, everyone was, of course, talking about um, everyone, of course, was talking about the fact that, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and, and, and Russell Wilson. And then there's Tom Brady hoisting another Super Bowl trophy two years ago. That's Tom Brady. That, that's what all-time greats do. Tom Brady could have retired a long time ago. He could have yes, retired. He, he didn't even have to win that last Super Bowl to be viewed as the best of all time or arguably the best of all time. That just more solidified it than anything. But greats always want to be great. And Tom Brady is looking at a Patrick Mahomes, and he's looking at a Lamar Jackson, and he's looking at the Carson Wentz's of the world. Technically, not Carson Wentz. Nick Foles beat him in the Super Bowl. But he's looking at Russell Wilson. He's looking at all these guys and saying, you guys are cute. You're adorable. <laughs> but, hey, I'm I'm still the captain. Okay, you won your MVP. You have a Super Bowl. I have five of them or six of them. How many does he have? Either way. He has a, lot. A, he has a handful. He has a handful of those. And I think that's what we're seeing with Conor McGregor here. Except Conor McGregor doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes to push him. He doesn't have the Lamar Jackson and the Russell Wilson to push him. He doesn't have the the uh, Joe Burrow coming into the league to say, hey, I'm coming for your spot. 
Okay, that's where Tom Brady comes in. That's why Tom Brady's still playing today. Everyone's like, why is he still playing? Well, for one, he loves the game, but for two, he still feels he's the best in the game, and that he, that's what drives him. But he has the guys to push him to drive him. Conor McGregor doesn't have that, and that makes a lot of sense. There's a reason he did the boxing match with Floyd Mayweather years ago. Yes, it's because there was a lot of money involved, but because it was a challenge. Did I say that weird challenge? I didn't even mean to say it like that. But yeah, did I say that? But it was a challenge. Is That's that what it was? It. Oh, my, look, it was a challenge cashing all that money at the bank, I'm sure. But no, it was. he knew he was going to lose, Kev. But again, it felt worth. If, to him, it felt worth his time. No one on the card today is worth his time. And that's not him being arrogant or cocky. That's just the reality of it. When Michael Jordan says, none of you guys are worth my time, we all said, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> you're right. You're right. When, when Tom Brady does it, you're right. Kevin Durant, you're good. But LeBron's right. Like, you all are good, but come on now. So that's what this is. Everyone else has that athlete to push him. Connor doesn't at this point. I believe he'll be back because every time he's done this, he's felt that there's nothing out there to push him. Then something comes along to push him. I wish fighters would stop retiring and just say, I'm stepping away for a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe he is done, though. Maybe he is done. Might be, man. Getting punched in the face for a living can't be fun. Nah. But he looks like he likes getting punched in the face. He likes punching old men in the face, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I know this comes from a pure comedic standpoint. I don't advocate going around punching old men in the face. But if you need a good laugh, <laughs> if you need a laugh, I don't condone it. But if you need a laugh, look it up. It's, I mean, it's funny because you just it's the last thing you expect to see happen. He just dropped the dude. Now, the guy was talking smack. But again, Connor, pick on someone your own size. But I have a problem with that, too, because Connor always picks on someone that's bigger than his size, to be fair. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Here's why, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you do not pay Joe Mixon next year. You ready for this one? <laughs> What's a reason you pay a player or impact. any employee? Impact. Production. Now, that production and impact, it's because you fear that you're not going to be able to get that elsewhere, correct? Right. Fair enough. What happens if I'm looking at a list that shows that there's going to be a whole ton of names that can give you what he gives you and maybe even a little bit more? How about this list right here, Bengals fans? Like, if you're Joe Mixon, you picked a bad year to decide that you want to try to play holdup with the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the cheapest organizations in football. But they spent $180 million. Yes, I get it. Um, the list of running backs that are set to become unrestricted free agents after 2020, Kev, it's insane. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. DC4. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. Fairly close. I picked Joe Mixon. Bottom line, I'm saying this in a way that I am not downgrading Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a fantastic talent. My point is, is that I'm not even close to being done with this list. You don't need to break the bank to keep Joe Mixon. You can get a Dalvin Cook in the production dip-off is not going to be... You talked about production. I don't believe that that production goes anywhere. I believe, you know, Dalvin Cook's pretty good. How about Leonard Fournette? How about Kenyon Drake? How about Todd Gurley? How about Chris Carson? All right, how about Aaron Jones? Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's a fantastic running back. That's mm -hmm. why everyone was kind of surprised that the Colts went and added, you know, uh, you, you know another back when they did. Uh, how about James Conner? 
Okay, mm-hmm. you're familiar with James mm-hmm. Conner, but <laughs> but he's one of those that okay, but no, but actually James Conner is a prime example of this. We know Le'Veon Bell wanted max dollars, and the Steelers said no, thank you. And you know what they did? They rolled the ball with James Conner. That worked out, Kev. Yeah, he's a yeah. thousand yard back. Is he? Is he Le'Veon Bell? Not even close. But he got the job done. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that there are better options than Joe Mixon out there, but there are options. All right, hold on. Let, let, go, go back. Go. Real quick. Hold okay, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Alvin Kamara. All right, James White, Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams. Folks, that's one hell of a list. That is one hell of a list. And some of those guys might not get jobs because there's other good running backs coming out of the draft. Okay, the other teams are set at running back. Some of these guys aren't getting jobs. That's a loaded list, and I feel bad if any of those running backs try to play hardball with their current teams. It's not that I've, and that's why I said about you know Zeke Elliott. So in a couple, if next year the Dallas Cowboys are like, man, we're strapped on money because we're stupid and gave the forty million to Zeke or to to Dak, and uh, we have all this money into Zeke. You know what sucks? You didn't have to give Zeke that money. You could have had one of these running backs for significantly less, and that money could have gone to improve a position elsewhere. That's why you don't pay running backs this type of money. But this also speaks volumes about the running back talent that's out there. Now, what were you going to say? You I were was going to say, let's go from the top real quick. Okay. Um, who would you rather have, Derrick Henry or uh, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon, I'm sorry. I, there's not many I would take over Joe Mixon. Derrick Henry is one I would take over Joe Mixon. I think I would take Joe Mixon. Over Derrick Henry? Yeah, just because of the ability to catch the ball out the backfield. I'll take Der- Derrick Henry. I like, but I like Mixon though. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon. I would take uh, DC four. I'm gonna punch you just, just right in the face. Just, just right because, in the neck. Just because the home run, Bam! home run effect, the home run effect. Like he can take it sixty. Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, 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 Fournette for two reasons. One, you're he'll come in for a, a cheaper price. I think you can get him. Well, for he's cheap. asking for a ton. That's why the Jaguars are looking to move on too. Really? I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, he's asking for. Well, they know that he's going to be asking for a lot. Oh, then. <laughs> but the problem is, but the one thing, because I was reading an article today, that's what got me to this list anyway. The article I came across, it said, what led to the Jaguars not moving on from Fournette is because, kind of like what you said, they fear he's going to ask for a lot, but they think he's he's going to change his stance when you look at the running back market that's going to be out there. Yeah. So, to be fair, you're right. He might remain with the Jaguars as far as that's concerned. Uh, Kenyon Drake over Mixon. I take Mixon. That's a toss-up. Um, I probably Joe Mixon. Todd Gurley over Mixon. I'm Mixon. taking Mixon. Gurley when healthy, and when like when Gurley was who Gurley was a few years ago. Gurley to a T. I'm taking Gurley every time. But I li- I like Joe Mixon, man. I think that he he's a beast. Chris Carson or Mixon. Carson. Carson. Okay. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Is that Green Bay's running back? Mm-hmm. Oh. He came in right away and made an immediate impact. <laughs> I'm still picking Joe Mixon, but again, my point is, is you can't go wrong with any of these right, backs. Right. You're not like James Conner might be the worst one. Matt Breida, you know, uh, if I mispronounce his name, sorry. I mean, look, James uh, Marlon Mack or Joe Mixon? Ooh, Marlon Mack. I think so. I think Marlon Mack, but the gap's not large. To be fair, Marlon Mack has an offensive line. Yes. I would love to see if Joe and that's Ma- part of the reason I wouldn't take a Derrick Henry. Like, so, he has like. I, we would say probably at least a top three offensive line in the league. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they do 
with the departure of the one guy that went to the Browns. But, you know, he has a lot of holes to run through with that big body. Yeah. You know, he gets going downhill because of the offensive line, so he wouldn't get that with the Bengals. All right, James Conner, Joe Mixon. Mixon. Joe Mixon. You said that one with authority. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Joe Mixon. <laughs> think this one's easy. Alvin Kamara. Kamara. <laughs> but my point is this. You lose Kamara, and like let's say the Saints get in that position, man. We can't afford Kamara, but we're going to pay Joe Mixon. I don't think the production value dips that much. And if it does, it's because Breeze is gone after next year. But you know what I mean? Like that. That's all. So, yeah. So, uh, James White, Mixon. Mixon. Uh, Kareem Hunt. People before. Ooh, people in their Kareem car. Hunt. It's Kareem Hunt. I think it's Kareem Hunt. People in their car right now are just pissed at me and you right now. They're pissed. They're, or they're screaming at the radio saying, Joe Mixon. Of course, Joe Mixon. Folks, Bengals said you got just sympathize with me a little bit here. Meet me halfway. I'm as much as I like to poke fun at the Bengals. I'm actually a big Joe Mixon fan. I, I loved watch. I love watching him on the field. He's the real deal. But he's not like elite. But he's really, really good. Kareem Hunt was elite. Yeah. Okay. When he when that first year he was elite. He was on his way to being elite when that tape leaked, and then obviously he was done for the year. He was out for the first half of the year with the Browns. We saw the impact he made right away in the second half. He's not going to look that part. like He's going to be really good this year, but he's going to be splitting carries with maybe arguably the best running back in football in Nick Chubb. So I don't know where that where he comes into play there as far as that's concerned. You know, like he's not going to look the, as much the part. But if Kareem Hunt is who we saw that first year with the Chiefs and we, we've seen glimpses up with the Browns, I would take Kareem Hunt in a, as a featured back. I would take him in the featured back role over Kareem Hunt or over uh, Joe Mixon. I'm sorry. Agreed. Damian Williams or Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Okay. So the point is, is Joe Mixon, there was very select, there was, you know, I think it was about 50 50. You know, we would take half these guys over Mixon, we take Mixon over the other half. It's really, it's, it's too close. Folks, Joe Mixon might not be a Bengal pass next year. And I think that he needs to be realistic about the running back market. You can't go asking for the stars when. The real stars are going to be the ones that deserve that money. The running backs, though, as a whole, I, I think every team, you're not going to see a team cave to their running back. That's why I'm so confused as to why the Cowboys did that. Um, and, and to be fair, Browns fans, you're going to find yourself in a similar situation with Nick Chubb. Not next year, but possibly the year after. And if Nick Chubb has a another year like he did last year, this year, imagine if Nick Chubb does what he did last year on a winning Browns team. I'm not again. I'm not pumping the MVP card here, but he'll be in the conversation. You're going to have people just like last year when we talked about Derrick Henry. It's going to be very similar. You're going to at least be saying he deserves MVP votes, and mm-hmm. that's where we're going to be at with Chubb as far as that's concerned. But when you're a running back and you're garnering MVP attention, you don't get respect. I'm sorry, you just don't. Zeke Elliott didn't get it his rookie year. DeMarco Murray didn't get it that year that he was in the MVP conversation with the Cowboys. You know what I mean, Kev? Like, running backs all the time don't get the respect that they deserve but because maybe running backs really do grow on trees. They're, that's a lot. And that's I mean, a you, big list. You talk about all those running backs that are going to be free agents. You're talking about the, all the running backs coming from college as well who you can get for absolutely half the price. Mm-hmm. Oh, Less absolutely. than half the price. Yep. That's why, and to be honest, the Colts, Everyone's like, oh, man, the Colts did a great thing because they, they went out and got Jonathan Taylor to pair with Marlon Mack. No, 
they got Jonathan Taylor to replace Marlon Mack mm-hmm. because they might have looked at next year's draft and say, well, maybe there's not, we don't like the running backs in next year's draft class. Let's get him now. And when Marlon Mack leaves, we got our running back. So, like, that's the thing, Kev. When Marlon Mack leaves, it's not insert another one of those names to replace him. It's, well, that's one less running back job there. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the situation we're in. Um, when Kareem Hunt leaves Cleveland next year, it's not, oh, insert someone else in for him on that list. It's That's another running back looking for a job. Uh, and, the, and the list goes on and on. Todd Gurley will be okay. Leonard Fournette will be okay. Derrick Henry is going to be okay. But some of these names, you keep moving down the list. I don't know where Joe Mixon falls on that list as far as, oh, yeah, he'll definitely have a job. He has to be careful as far as that's concerned. Folks, thank you for today. Thank you for hanging out. We'll do this again tomorrow. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show in your Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store. Subscribe and download it. That's our cue right there. <laughs> Until tomorrow, this has been the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio.